Oh, yeah. So, um, man, it is great to have you here. Um, whether you're here with us or, or with us online, we're just grateful that you're here. Um, I, I know uh, that there's some tired, tired bodies um, and some tired minds. So if I start repeating myself, just blame it on the, uh, you know, the event last night. Um, but man, was that fun. And for those of you who, uh, who were helping out last night, we again, we just can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for being part of that, because it was an amazing, amazing evening, so we just appreciate it. Uh, I heard the story about a young boy who was sitting with his father in church on Sunday morning, and he was watched as a pastor stepped up to the podium, right, and uh, and he opened up his Bible, and then the pastor took off his watch, and he and he set it down on the podium, and the little boy looked at it at the at the pastor, and he looked at the watch, and he looked at his dad, and he leaned over, and he looked at his dad, and he says, "So, Dad," he said, "What does it mean when the pastor takes off his watch and puts it on the podium?" And the father leaned over to his son and whispered, "Absolutely nothing." <laughs> Everybody was hoping that it was the pastor, like watching the time, right? But we've got clocks all over the place. In fact, most of our life is spent run. By time, we spend most of our life and most of uh, what we do thinking about time, right? Thinking about what's our next appointment, what's happening in our lives. And the, one of the biggest questions that we ask all day long is, what time is it, right? I mean, that, that it's, it just overwhelms our lives in so many ways. And we're going to talk a lot about time today because we're in week two of a series called Where Your Heart Is. And what we're trying to learn is we're trying to learn some kingdom investment strategies um, that will yield eternal benefits. Last week, we talked about how the condition of our lives is determined by the location of our hearts. Okay, Our our heart, uh, the, the condition of our life is determined by the location of our hearts. And this week, I want to add on to that with this statement. And the, 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 the location of our hearts then is determined by where we place our treasure. See, you thought that you could just like, oh no, I'm just going to put my heart somewhere and everything will, you know, everything will go after that. That's kind of how you thought it worked, right? But that's not how Jesus says it works. And, and we're a place that believes that when I believe this is the way it works and Jesus says this is the way it works, well, that he's right and I'm wrong. Right, that, that's just the way. That's just the way it shakes out, and, and he's proven it over and over again. The location of your of our heart is determined by where we put our treasure. Listen to Jesus and listen to what how he explains this. He says to us this, and this is where we get the idea of making kingdom investments. He says, "Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves." treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break into so now listen carefully for where your treasure is your heart will be also he says where you where, where your treasure is there your heart's gonna be you know we, we tend to live in a way where we try to flip that around right where it's like oh no my heart's here and then everything will fall it it, it doesn't always work out that way the reality is, is Jesus is telling us, hey, 
where your treasure is, there your heart is going to follow us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be there. The reason that so many of us, I think, are suffering from stress, burnout, crushing debt, lack of purpose and hopelessness, the reason we all feel like, like we said last week, though, like we're on the hamster wheel of life, always running, but not feeling like we're getting anywhere, is that we've been investing in the wrong place. We've been putting our treasure in the wrong spot. We've invested in worldly treasure that we thought would make us happy, but worldly treasure that has left us bankrupt and burned out, super busy, tapped out, enslaved by our calendars, enslaved by our banking accounts, enslaved by our debt, and lacking purpose in life. But what we, what we really want people to understand is this, is that our Heavenly Father never, never intended us to live this way. God never wanted us to live with stress and anxiety and worry and fear and, and, and just crushing busyness in our lives. He, he didn't intend for us to, to live frantic lives or, or purposeless lives or, or lives that are just filled with debt. He, he wants to, us to live unhurried, purposeful, debt-free, and even generous lives. But somehow, and like I said last week, we have traded in the light yoke of Jesus for a burdened life weighed down with worry. So God's kingdom investments, they can bring rest for our weary souls. They can uh, freedom from bondage, uh, the bondage of debt and consumerism, and a fulfillment as we discover our purpose and our calling into the role of, of what God's calling us to in, God, in his kingdom. Because he wants us to participate with him in his kingdom purposes. But often when we, often when we think of, uh, uh, of treasure, right, because it says where our treasure is there, our heart will be, and, and let me, let me show, explain how I know that this is true. Is when, when you put a lot of stuff, a lot of your treasure into something, your heart's going to follow, right? Um, for instance, if, if you make investments, like, you know, even though the stock market is out of control, right? It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's all over the place, right? And some of you are thinking like, well, I don't really think much about the stock market. I don't really think about it at all. I know some people are worried about it, but I don't really think about it. All you have to do is put some money in it, just a little bit, and you'll start watching that ticker, right? All you got to do is put a little in. The moment that you put a little in, the moment you take some of your treasure and you stick it in there, all of a sudden you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to find yourself flipping up on your iPhone because what's on there? The little uh, NASDAQ thing, right? And you're going to be like, woo, look at my stock. Or, oh, look at my stock. Right? And your happiness that day is going to hinge on if the line is red or the line is green. If it's up and to the right <laughs> or if it's crashing, right? I mean, some people have invested to the point where we saw what happened, you know, when, when, when the market starts to crash, then people's lives crash, and they crash and they burn, and some people even take their lives because they've invested there, and that's where their heart goes. Same thing happens when we invest our time somewhere, right? I mean, some people are like, oh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really know much about this. I, one of the ways it worked out for me, I never played soccer in my life as a kid. We didn't even have it. But 
all of a sudden when our kids were little and two of our daughters wanted to play soccer, we started investing time in that. And all of a sudden, you know what? I started learning everything there was to know about it. I'm reading everything. I'm going to classes and clinics and I'm coaching and I'm refereeing and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm just adding and adding and adding because where I invested my time, my heart started to follow. And now I even love watching World Cup games. Right? And, and, and so where, where we make our, where we put our treasure, man, our heart is going to be there. And so what that tells us is we got to be really, really careful about where we put our treasure, and that's really what this is about. Where are we investing? And are we investing in kingdom things or are we investing in worldly things? Because often we think um, of our treasure, we think of financial resources. That's what we think of the most. And, and, and we're going to get to that in a couple weeks. But today we're going to take a look at what I believe is our greatest treasure, our greatest asset, and that's our time. I mean, think about it. Our, the typical American greeting. Right? I mean, it's kind of fun when you get to travel around the world and stuff. You, you, one of the things that's fun to do is you learn how to say hello, how are you, in lots of different languages, right? So we go to Mexico. Hola, hola, como esta, right? Hey, how are you? Right? And, and then, you know, you can go to, um, to Cambodia, and, um, and now it's totally blanking. I had it down this morning, you know? But, um, Right. I mean, there's all these different things that you say. I think that's actually from India. So um, I get all the languages mixed up. But you learn all these greetings. Right. In the United States, you know, hey, how you doing? Right. And we always do the little, hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you? And the typical response is, I'm good, but I'm. Come on, you know, I'm good, but I'm. Busy. Right. You know how I know I tested this last night. Okay, we had 2,000 guinea pigs. <laughs> so I walked around last night. Hey, how are you doing? Great, man, but we're just really busy. It's, it's, kind, of fun. it's kind of fun, but kind of weird, too, when, when you're the pastor, because, like, Brenda won't send me to the grocery store anymore because I run into too many people, and I'm there forever, right? Because, well, because my problem is I love to talk to people. So go to the grocery store, I'm talking to people. And it's funny when you're the pastor, because people really emphasize, they're like, you know, hey, how are you doing? How's things going? Everybody's like, really good, but we're really busy. And they're kind of giving you the, that's why we haven't been in church for a while kind of thing, right? <laughs> but it's because right, we're really busy. We're really busy. We're really busy. So last night I'm walking around and I'm like, hey, how are you? We're great. We're just really busy. Hey, we're great, but, you know, calendars are full. Hey, we're, yeah, we're doing, we're doing really good, but we're doing... Because in our culture today, I mean, be honest, be totally honest. How many of you have answered that question, how are you doing, in the last week by telling someone, doing good but really busy? Anybody, how many of you, keep your hands up if you've said that in the last week. All right, so look around the room, you're not alone, okay, that, that's all of us. Here's the thing, I mean, how many of you would agree that you're a little bit too busy, yeah, same people, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, we're too busy. Um, well, you're not alone. Last week I shared this, the, the, uh, uh, research done by the Pew Research Institute that found that 60%, so you know, more than half of Americans say that their schedule is too busy to allow them to enjoy life. So we're too busy to enjoy life. 
And, and Jesus says he's come that we might have life and have it to the full. He wants you to enjoy life. I, I don't know where people get it in their heads that Jesus is trying to like mess up their lives, wreck their lives, you know, take over their lives. I mean, well, yeah, that part, yeah, he wants it to be Lord. But he doesn't want to mess up your life. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have life with purpose and meaning. And he wants it to be free. And he, want, he just wants you to enjoy it. But we're not doing that because we cram our schedules with busyness. And then we don't have time for the one who wants us to have the best life possible. We, we in the United States, we've made busyness a symbol of success. Um, it, it used to be that we would say, oh, if you had time for leisure, then you were successful, right? Because you, you did really well, so you had time for leisure. And that was, but that has totally changed. Now it's like, man, if, if you're not busy, then you're not successful, right? Everyone assumes, like, if you're busy, then you must be important because everybody wants some of your time. And so you've got lots of appointments in your calendar, right? So you must, you must be important or something because you have that. Could you imagine this? Could you imagine what people might think if they came up to you and, and, and they said, hey, how are you doing? What if you responded to something like this? I'm doing really good. In fact, you know what? I feel, I feel rested. I feel whole. I feel energized. Right? I mean, I'm excited about what's, you know, what, what God's coming up. But, but man, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really enjoying the peacefulness of life. What, what would people think? I, there's some people, some of you in the room, I know, you're just going, lazy. Right? Like, what, you don't got anything going on? Like, what's your problem? Right? And, but, but that's what happens, and that's how we've been conditioned. It's crazy. And the truth is, the way that our Heavenly Father wants us to live is with peace and rested and, and feeling unburdened. How many of you would sign up for that? Good, because it's in the Bible. <laughs> right? I mean, most of us are constantly, like we said, asking what time is it, but maybe the better question is this. What am I doing with my time? It's not what time is it, it's what am I doing with my time? Because most of us have a sense that time is just moving too fast, right? How many of you think, oh man, time's just flying, time's going way too fast? Anybody? Anybody? Like, yeah, you just feel like, oh, life is just rushing by, Right? That, that's what most of us think. And, and to some extent, you know, I mean, we, we all really feel that because, like, when you were a kid, though, when you were a kid, time went way slower. Think about it, the holidays are coming up. When you were a kid, it seemed like it took forever for Christmas to get here, right? Like, oh, my gosh, Christmas. Even once you hit December, like, those 25 days are like, oh, like, is it ever going to get here? Then something weird happens to us, right? We either, like, you become parents or you, be, or, or you hit, like, 40, and it's like every time you turn around, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know how I know? Because I'm having conversations with people like, they're already putting Christmas up at Costco, right? You know, I mean, oh, man, you know, you just go to Home Depot and all the Christmas stuff's up, right? And it's like every time we turn around, oh, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, right? And, and life just speeds up. I mean, when you're young, you think, you think of it in terms of how many days have gone past, 
right? Because you start talking about like being excited, like, oh, I can't wait to be 10, right? I, I remember that. And there's all these markers along the way. I remember, can't wait to be 10 because my dad said I could have a BB gun when I was 10. Can't wait till, I, till I'm 10, right? And then I can't wait till I'm 16 because I could drive. Now I guess that's not a thing because everyone's like waiting until forever to, to want to drive, right? And I don't blame them. They watch us on the freeway yelling and screaming. They're like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> then it's like, you know, 18. Oh, you know, when I turn 18, I, I, I can vote. And sad to say a lot of them don't want to do that either because they're looking at the mess that that's in. And then 25, right? I remember 25. I was thinking about that. Brenda and I were both under 25 when we got married. It was like, we couldn't go somewhere and rent a car, you know? So it's like, but there's these markers. We're like, and when you're young, you're like, oh yeah, I can't wait till I'm, I can't wait till I'm. But then something starts to change in our lives somewhere. And it's usually somewhere between 40 and 50, and some of you are kind of got that nagging tug right now. Some of you, some of you are younger and you're going, huh, what are you talking about? And some of you are over 50 and you totally know what I'm talking about. Because somewhere in there, you stop looking at how many days that you lived and you start thinking about how many days you have left. You know, I, I, I don't even really remember what it, when it was, but I know it was somewhere in there between 40 and 50 when all of a sudden I started thinking like, you start doing the math. And I'm not really good at math, but you start, it's pretty easy math. You start going like, all right, if the average person in America lives to be like 78 years old or so, it's like, and, you know, and you hit 40, you're like, oh, I'm, half, I'm over halfway there. And you're like, oh my gosh, now what am I going to do? That's a good question. What are you going to do with the time that you have left? And if it wasn't freaky enough to see how fast it moved, you can go this crazy thing online. Any of you ever been to deathclock.com? Don't do it now. Put your phones away. (laughs) Go home. You can do it later. You go into deathclock.com. You put in your age, a a little bit other information. Here's what I was kind of, was tripping me. And it'll tell you like how many years you have left, Right. It, yeah, it, it told me I have 26 years left, right? Hey, I'm like, oh, at least I'm going to make it to 84. So um, I'm like, you know, now don't go home and then use that as a planning guide, okay? Don't. One of the things I did think was interesting is the thing that made the biggest difference in your length of life um, had to do with whether you had an optimistic or pessimistic view of life, which I thought, okay, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. So how are we supposed to view... And make wise investments, kingdom investments, with our time. That's a question we want to spend the next little bit of time looking at. For some, for some answers, we're going to go back in history over 2,000 years, more like 3,500 years ago. We're going to look at a very special psalm. Um, the book of Psalms, and most of you know that uh, the book of Psalms was mostly written by Who? Yeah, King David, right? But the one we're going to look at today is unique. It it was a psalm that was written by Moses, of all people, right? Do you guys remember Moses, right? Moses back in the, you know, uh, he he was the little guy that floated in the basket, right? And and think about Moses. Moses had it made. He, he, He got put in the basket. He got basically adopted by Pharaoh. So he lived in the Egyptian palace, which was the equivalent of, you know, in the world at that time was the equivalent of living in the White House. He had pretty much everything that he wanted, um, but he grew up 
learning about all these other gods, and primarily the sun god Ra, right? Which is where the people like started, and it was the Egyptians that were the people who really started to um, to start keeping track of time. Um, you know, and, and you know the obelisks, right? Uh, before they were obelisks with all the stuff written on them, they were big giant sundials, right? So that they could keep track of time. So Moses has all these questions, all this information about time. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalms chapter 90. Um, Psalms chapter 90, written by Moses. Um, and one of the things I want us to see um, that's really important is when we're taking a look at our time and our life, context is everything, right? The, the point at which we view our lives and our time from is super important, okay? The context in which we see our lives, in context in which we see our time, that, that, that makes all the difference. That's everything, okay? So um, join me in Psalms chapter 90, starting in verse 1. It says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. So God has been there throughout all the generations, right? Then verse 2, he says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Then he says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. I thought, that sounds like some movie scene, right? I know I heard somebody say, that's like, that's like a Gandalf statement, right? Return to dust, right, you mortals, right? So, so he's talking about, hey, there is an end to this time that we have here. And he says, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. And this is what you guys have heard that before, right? That a day is like a thousand years or a thousand years is like a day to God, right? And so uh, God, God doesn't live by our same time constraints. And, and so he, he says, hey, you know, a, a thousand years in your sight is just is like a day for us. And, and, then he, and then he says this, or like a watch in the night. And a watch in the night was the way that they divided it up was when the soldiers would watch it. And it was three-hour segments. So he's basically saying like a thousand years to God's like, that's like three hours, right, in our time. And so what he's basically getting at is this. Your life and my life, this is like a little nothing, right? You could go home and you could do all the Matthew math people, right? And, but I don't encourage it because you'll just get depressed. Because in God's sight, though, our, our lives are so, so short. And what Moses is telling us, right, what Moses is trying to get us to see when it comes to time is this. That, that we need to see our lives in light of eternity, right? He says, you guys are from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And, and, and in that, we need, we need to understand that as the context for our time, right? Not just the years that we have here. While they may be important, it's like we should view our use of time in the context of eternity, he says, because in God's view of things, man, our lives are just like a blip. I mean, when I look at, at life now, I'm like, where did all those years go? And then, I, again, you look ahead and I go, like, I've, I've lived more than I'm gonna. 
right? And, and, and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know, but that's the rep. But then in the bigger picture, what you know is this, is that eternity is a whole lot longer than the years that we have here. And so where are you going to make the investment? Where will you invest? Will you invest here? Will you invest in eternity? So we, we have to say our time is short. Now, uh, jump down to verse 10. Because the middle verses you can read later, they're just a little bit depressing. So it says, um, our days, verse 10 says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. And then he says, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Then he goes on, he says, if we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that you are due. And, and that's, a, that's a complicated verse right there. Like even in the original language, it's a very complicated verse, but I'm going to give you the Ken translation, right? I kept studying this verse going, what does that really mean? And so the best I could come up with is this. If we truly understood how close God's judgment was, right? In other words, when, when's God's judgment? Well, at the end of our life, right? Or, or when he returns. So, and if he returns before your life is over, then your life is even shorter. Does that make sense? Okay, we're all, okay, good. We're all, we're all tracking. I know it was a late night last night for some of you, so. And so it's like, hey, would you understand life in the fact that you, if we understood how close we were to God's judgment, we would give God proper respect. We'd say, hey, if we recognize that life is short and that we're going to meet the Lord before we know it, Right? And here's the reality, none of us are promised tomorrow either. I mean, there are a lot of things that happen out there in the world, accidents, things that happen. And I hate to be a downer this morning, but you know what? We, we may not make it to next week. And could I get an amen that it'd be nice if Jesus would come back before we have church next week, right? That'd be, that'd be a good deal too. So, so, but if we truly understood, if we were truly took into account how quickly God we're going to see the Lord, then we would give him proper respect. We would really respect what he's saying and how we invest our time if we truly understood that. And then Moses says, and this is the key verse that I, I want us to look at in this, in this passage. Verse 12 of uh, Psalms chapter 90, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I'm saying, so basically what he's saying is, hey, teach us that our days are numbered. And it'll help us be wise in the way that we use our time. So what does it mean to number our days? Well, um, we all kind of know how that works, right? We all know how to number our days. Uh, if, if you think about it, um, if, if you've ever been um, a bride, for instance, right? If you've ever been a bride, you know, you got engaged and, you, you know, then, then you know there's lots to do between the time you get engaged and the time you get married. And so when someone comes up to you in the middle of that and they say, when are you getting married, right? They, they oh, man, you know, six months and 12 days and three hours, right? Because they, they know. They, they're just, they're tracking the time. And then what they know is all the stuff they need to do in that time that they have left before the, the wedding, right? And so there's a big, there's lots of planning, right? Even like watching my daughters, okay, and I love them to death, and even the ones that aren't as organized as the other ones, like 
it takes a whole notebook to get married, right? Because you got a whole notebook and it's got all the info, right? Because there's a lot to do, right? I mean, think about it. You have to, first you got to get save date cards. Then you got to get invitations on top of that. Then you got to, you know, you got to go and you got to reserve the venue, which that's a whole nightmare. And then you got to, you know, get the dress and then you got to get all this other stuff. And there's like all these things to do, right? And so what do you do? You look at it and you go, okay, and we got this much time. We got all this. New, so you know what you got to do. That's what it's like numbering our days means you take stock in how much time you have and you know what you should do. And I'm thinking, you know, but most of us don't live our normal lives like that, do we? We don't think about like, oh man, in light of how much time I have, these are the things that I should do. I've talked to a lot of parents and just reminded them, hey, your kid, man, they're, they're going to graduate high school and, they're gonna, and then they're going to be out. Like, you've got this much time, right? And all that stuff that you've been putting off, yeah, you can't put that off anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I could go on and on about that, but the reality is, is we need to number our days. I mean, if, if you've ever taken a final exam even, right, you know when that thing's coming, and you know what you got to do before that. And some of you just don't care. But some of you know, oh man, if I want to do well, then in the time between now and when that is, then I know what I got to do. I have to study. I have to be good with my time. I have to, make, I have to say no to my friends who are trying to get me to go hang out at the beach and go do all of these other things. And I got to study, right? It teaches you what you should say no to and what you should say yes to. And then you, okay? And I'm suggesting that maybe we need to look at life this way and recognize, okay, what is it that God is hoping for us for? What is God wanting us to do? How are we going to invest our time, right, in ways that are going to reap eternal benefits? And this is huge because numbering our days helps you make better use of your time to make sure that you get the right things done. And so where are you making the most of your time investments. Now think about this for a minute. Where right now in your life are you making the greatest time investments? Are, 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 is it in this life or eternity? And that's just something to ponder. That's something for you to think about. Like where are you making most of your time investments? And again, it's there's things we need to do in this life. And, and God wants us to enjoy this life. But where are you making your investments? I, I, I would say, I, this is one of those moments where I'm preaching to the choir, right? Because you guys are in church this morning, right? And, and you're like, okay, I'm trying to... I'm, but is this, is this the only time that you're really making investments in your relationship with God? Or are you making other investments that will last for eternity? When it comes to, even when it comes to your family, and, and you can take every area of life, you, you know, your, your, your life, your marriage, your family, even your work, all these things, am, are the things that I'm doing in this life, are, am I investing more in just the outcomes here or in the overall outcomes of eternity? Where are you making the greatest investments? Because here's the next, the, the, the next point, okay? Context means everything, so how we see our, light, our lives in light of eternity is huge. The second thing is this, is um, 
Our priorities, the way we spend our time, our priorities determine our capacity for time use, right? How we prioritize determines our capacity. Now, I'm going to show you a little illustration that many of you have probably seen before, okay? Um, if you haven't, then, then, then I'm glad. If you, if you have, then, um, then we're going to, um, you'll, you'll uh, then maybe you'll learn something new about this. So I've got all of these rocks right here, okay, in the jar. This one's really hard to get out. So, all right, and so let, let's, and, and then I got all of this sand stuff here. And um, let's just say that this stuff here, right, all of this stuff, if we pour this all in here, that this stuff, right, like the sands through the hourglass, so are the days when you had, don't, don't watch that stuff, right? In fact, I would say this, this represents all of the, like little teeny minor stuff of life, all right? Like all that, like, you know, sand through the hourglass, that, that whole, you know. For many of you, this represents um, Netflix, right? Or maybe Facebook. Or, yeah, we're going to go there. Okay, so you got all this, this stuff here. Okay, and this is, just, this is just like the minimal stuff. And, and then you try to, you know, you try to get the bigger parts of life, and you try to stick them in there, right, and you probably, maybe you've seen this before, and that doesn't really work out well, right, so, but if you take these bigger things, which these rocks represent the bigger, more important pieces of life, right, like, let's just, let's, we'll just name it, like, you know, maybe, this is the biggest one, so let's, that's the God rock, I'm going to totally break this thing this morning. So maybe that's your God rock, and then, um, you know, you got maybe uh, your, your spouse rock, okay, don't go anywhere with that analogy, um, you know, I know some of you women are like, yeah, my man, he's my rock, you know, no, just don't go, and then you got, you know, then you got your, your kids and your family rock, and then you've got your work rock, and then you've got you know, I don't, I don't even know, you know, again, this one's a little smaller, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a hobby or a whatever uh, thing like that, right? And so you, you, you get that in there, and then, then you start to pour all the other stuff of life in. And what's amazing about this is you start pouring all of the other pieces of life in here, We've got all that stuff in there, right? And what's amazing is how all this stuff tends to fit. Wait, we're not done. Because you even got room left over. Now, now what, what, and some of you have seen this before, but I want you to really think about this, is priority determines the capacity. In, in, in other words, if you put the bigger pieces in and you prioritize them right and you, put, and you give time to those things first, then you will have time for other stuff, even with maybe some time um, that's left over. And, and I think it's really, really, let, you know, let, let's think about that for a minute. I mean, you, you know, there's all kinds of things in your life, but, but none of us ever really stop very often to take time and, and actually name the rocks in our lives. That, that's the key. That's, that's the piece 
that I think, you know, that, that would be homework for this week. Is what are those bigger things in your life? And then you have to start comparing them to your time usage. Am I, you know, if, if, if the God rock is the biggest one, right? Well then, okay, how are you doing on time? If it's the biggest rock, it shouldn't it get the most time, right? And, and then spouse, right? And then kids, and then all those things. And work, work's in there, work's important, right? But, but where is your time being invested? Because unfortunately, most of us, we're investing great deals of time in this stuff that really doesn't matter, right? And it's, it's really interesting because in the Bible, the Bible doesn't use the word priority. The Bible uses this word. It's really interesting. The word seek in, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, has these, these uh, uh, the term really means like that, that you are giving your time towards something, right? You're seeking. So obviously you're giving your time to seeking. But in Psalm 63, 1, for instance, it says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, right? So earnestly, so you're going after that. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So you're seeking after, you're putting priority into it and you're seeking. Psalms 119.10 says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I'm seeking, I'm putting time into that. And then in Matthew 6, uh, 31 to 33, it says, so don't worry, right? Saying, what shall we eat? Even though eating, you know, that's, that's an important part of life. You, you should do that, right? And what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Like those are, those are things to think about, but in the big, uh, I mean, you can't live without eating, so that, that's important, but... How are you investing? And it says, for the pagans run after all these things. In other words, the world will try to swallow you up and get all of your attention around most of this stuff. He says, it says, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God's not saying, oh, you should just never have, you know, you should just never eat or never drink or never, you know, wear clothes. And then he's like, even though when I created them, they were naked and we won't go there, but... The reality is, is that God knows we need all that stuff. Here's the question. Do you believe that God really knows what you need and what's best for you? Do you truly believe that? That's the question. And then verse 33 says, but seek first, right? There's that word seek again. But seek first. But seek when? First. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I mean, it's okay to seek after relationships. It's okay to seek after work. It's okay to seek after sports. Just don't do them first. All those other things are okay, right? And, and, it was, and your father knows that you need those things, but just don't make them first. The question we're talking about is where, where are we investing first? Because priority determines capacity. Here's what I've, I've come to believe. If we will invest, if we will invest our time first in the Lord, first or second, you know, in our marriage or our family, and then work and church and those things, if we, if we will do that, right, if we get these things in the right order, 
then here's the thing. God somehow makes it all fit. If you invest in all of this, it doesn't fit. So you have to do it in the right order. You have to get God first in terms of your time. Okay? Not giving God your leftover time. I mean, think about how would this look in your life? I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, the reality is is so many of us are spending so much of our time in places that are just like this. One one of the scariest things, um, I I really want to encourage you to do this, is... um, those crazy little phone things, right, that we all carry around. Um, studies are starting to happen. They've only been around for like, you know, 20 years or 30 years, right? We're just now starting to understand the impact that they have on our lives. The, the, average, the average American, okay, um, spends somewhere around four hours of screen time every day. Every day. And I was thinking to myself, like, no, that's not me. I don't don't do that. And then I made the mistake of turning on that screen time thing, my phone. And I'm not joking. I woke up this morning, and I got here to the office, and I set my phone down, and the little thing popped out, and it was my screen time amount. Oh, yeah. And I was like, come on. I I know I'm better. You know where I, I ended up? Three hours and 48 minutes. I was like, what? No, that can't be, that can't be true. Right? I, I, would, I would challenge every single one of you, like, turn that thing on for a week and, and, and track it. You, I th- you'll be absolutely blown away by how much time. Um, it, it, it's crazy. The average teenager in America right now, okay, is giving... A, at least two and a half hours towards social media, okay, a day. Now, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Like, what could you do with two and a half hours a day, right, if, if you weren't doing that? What, what, what could you do with the extra three hours and 48 minutes a day if you weren't doing all that? If that wasn't capturing your time, I mean, what, what would you do, average American, if, if you had four hours a day back that you could reinvest? And I realize there's lots of important things, you know, that we're doing and that, you know, that be, has become, but we've allowed it to become such a necessity because it wasn't a necessity 30 years ago. We've allowed that to happen and we're allowing it to rob us. And, and, and so I, I just want to encourage you, like, hey, and I'm not saying, oh, go home and throw your phone away. Right? I know that isn't going to happen. Baby steps, right? It's like, but, but what if you just looked at it? What if for the next week you started just saying, okay, I'm going to track it for a week and see where I am. And then you start saying, hey, I, I need to invest more time in what's most important. I need to, I need to invest more time with, with God. Because remember, priority determines capacity. I believe if you will actually do that and you give God the, the, the first parts of your time, that he's going to help you get the most important things done. Now, there's some things you won't get to. 
Because let me just, let me just, if you didn't already know this, let me just like say it out loud. There is not enough time for you to do everything you think you want to do. This is not possible. So why not get the most important stuff done? Right? And that means you got to start by doing the big stuff first. And then you can get, then you can like let the other stuff fit in around it. But, but let's get the big stuff done first. And, and if God is, if God is the big, biggest part of that, if God is the most important, if we see our lives in light and in context of eternity, then maybe we ought to say, okay, I, I need to figure out how to recapture some of that wasted time and I need to give it to the Lord. Because you could do a lot with that. The biggest thing I get from people when I say, hey, you know what, you, you, should, you, really, you really should be in a life group. You know what the number one excuse is, right? I don't have enough time. The, the, the biggest excuse for, you know, like Crystal like, and David, man, they're asking all the time for people to help volunteer with ministering to our kids who happen to be one of the rocks. And what's the biggest excuse? Too busy. Got too much other stuff. I got too much of this in my life. Right? What if you could recapture some of that time that's spent on the other stuff that's not so important and reinvested that? And this is what we're talking about in this series. Reinvesting that in eternal stuff. So we're we're running out of time, but I'm going to give you three quick um, things. These are key investment strategies, okay? Some of you will recognize these even from the financial world, but, um, but they make sense here as well. Number one is this. Um, small, regular investments have a great compounding impact. Some of you finance people are going, yes, that's true, right? Compounding interest. You guys have heard of that before, right? If you hadn't Google it, go online, it'll explain it, and you'll, it'll blow your mind. Because you're like, really? That really works like that? Yes, it does. Small, regular deposits, okay, have great compounding impact. You start with little bits of time, and then you just do it over and over again regularly, right? You just keep doing that. You keep doing that. You keep doing that. And over time, that grows huge dividends. The same thing happens with your time, especially when you're talking about with your relationship with God when you're, and any relationships, right? I mean... Think about it. Small deposits over time make the greatest long-term impact. If you if you want to, um, like for instance, we were doing the run for God thing. When you want to run, right? When you're trying to exercise or get in shape, right? You 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 have to do it in small deposits, small increments, right? A little bit this day, a little bit this day, right? To where you're at least three days a week, you're you're doing this, right? Because if you don't. Because if you don't make those small, regular deposits, then, then key number two kicks in, which is neglect also has a compounding impact. Because if you try to say, like, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, and then the next day you're going to try to run three miles, you will die. Okay? Or come close. Because neglect has this compounding effect also. Trust me. I see this a ton in relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children. I see it all the time, right? I mean, let's, let's just take inanimate things, right? A car, 
if you neglect to just change the oil when you're supposed to, what happens? It dies, right? It just, it eventually that thing just doesn't work anymore, right? And the more you neglect it, the faster it runs out. I mean, neglect, okay, we, we can't, the, and, and here's the thing, this, well, let me, let me go on. And then the third, the third key strategy is this, investing in non-important things, okay, it doesn't have a net zero, it has a negative impact, right? Investing in the non-important stuff has a negative impact. If you fill your life up with this, you can't get the other stuff in. Right? So if you invest in things that are less important, it doesn't, it doesn't work well for you. But so many of us, right, and, and here's the thing, so many, and again, preaching to the part, hey, you, you guys are here, but let's be honest, once a week, once a week for a little bit of church, I mean, that's okay, right? In the running world, you, you would be an amateur runner. Right? If you want to get really good at it, man, you got to go out a bunch of other times and and you have to just keep making it work because the small regular deposits have the greatest impact if we neglect something you can and you can't make up when you when you start neglecting you can't make up time by just adding more to the end right we we learned this about like investing money right You, you can invest little 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 pieces that aren't that painful over time and eventually it gets big but you can't move down that calendar and then say, oh, well, I'm just going to take a big amount and put it in there because it doesn't add up the same. And the same thing is true with our time. And some of you who are, you know, got the math mind, this is where you need to kick in and go, yes, because we need to make those smaller investments every day. What I would suggest to you is things like, the reality is like, um, I don't know where I heard this, but never underestimate the power of your first hour. Never underestimate the power of your first hour. What what is the first hour of your day spent on? And then ask yourself, is it is it on the rock? Or is it just something else? Is it just rushing? Is it it might just be figuring out your calendar? I don't, I don't but think about it. never underestimate. Here's what I've come to believe. If I will spend the first hour of my day, and, and, and even if I peel back, even if you spend the first 20 minutes, half an hour, you spend the first part of your day focused on the most important relationship with your relationship with the Lord, it absolutely tweaks the rest of your time. It absolutely tweaks what happens for the rest of your day. And if you'll get into that habit, making those regular investments every day, it has a huge impact over the long haul. And if you neglect it, well, that'll have a huge impact too. But we're running out of time, but I want to end with, with this verse because the, the question is, God loves you and he wants the best for you. So how would he want us to invest our time? If you look in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, It says this, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
He goes on and says, making the most of every opportunity. In the uh, ESV version, it says, it tells us this. It says, making the best use of your time, which is a good translation for that. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Because the days are trying to suck you into this, right? But make the best use of your time. Invest in kingdom stuff first. Because God has, here's the thing, because the last verse here, in verse 17, it says, um, therefore don't be foolish, right? Don't be foolish with your time, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here's the thing, folks. Did you know the Lord has a will for you? And it's good. It's good. It's, It's better than the will that you have for you. And the question is, are you investing in that? And are you investing your time in that? Because God wants you to live life to the full. Not just now, but for eternity. And the question is, where are you making your investments? Christ already, like we said last week, he showed us the value he places on us because he gave his life on our behalf. And so each week we, we remember the sacrifice he made. We, we think about the payment that he made on our behalf. He gave his life to save us so that we could have the life that he wants us to have, a life in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this morning, I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, maybe this is the time to stop and to pray. If life is just out of control, if it's just going crazy, I want to encourage you, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe come and pray with someone. I'm going to ask our, our elders uh, if they'll just come up front or, or head to the back to the prairies. If you, just need some, if you just need somebody to pray with and just ask these questions, like, man, pray because, man, my life is busy. It's burdened. It's heavy. It's, and, and pray that God, pray, pray that you can invest your time in the places that it will make the most difference. Make wise investments. Let's not be foolish, but let's be wise and understand the Lord's will for us and for the use of our time. Because God loves us immensely, and that's why he sent his son. And the little piece of bread reminds us of his broken body. So let's take that together. And the cup represents his shed blood. And so let's take that together and remember how much God loved us and what he gave on our behalf. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father, for the time that we have. And Father, help us to be wise in the way that we use it. Father, help us to make healthy, regular investments of our time on what's most important. Father, my prayer today is that, Lord, you will help us, teach us, Lord, to number our days and give us a heart of wisdom. We love you, Lord. We praise you in your son's powerful name. Amen.